0: Your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. So uh, it's just kind of fun. So we'll, we're going to be back in Hebrews uh, probably in two weeks. Ozon's actually going to be back next week. Many of you met Ozon a couple weeks ago uh, when some of us were at man camp. So he's going to come back and speak next week. We were supposed to be in uh, Hebrews 6 today. Uh, but it, it just didn't feel like that theme fit today. It's like the apostasy chapter. And I know it's the one that we're all waiting for. Like, ooh, what does this mean? Um, and so I'm, I'm super excited about that. I just, it didn't feel like it fit the theme of this morning. And so what I wanted to do is just capture the, the essence of, of really what God has been doing in this church. Why, why it is that we have Josh here. Why is it that we're considering an associate pastor Uh, Because there are times that we gather and we need correction, we need rebuking, we need exhortation. Um, But today, really my prayer, just as we walk through this word, is that as a body we'd be greatly, greatly encouraged. God has been doing um, a great work here at Timberline um, just by His grace. He has deepened us for our love uh, for the gospel. He has increased our zeal uh, for his name to be proclaimed not only locally but globally as he's been placing us in more places around the world and as we can um, be supporting uh, people like the, the 18 missionaries that we have in India. Um, and he's made our, our love and our joy abound for his son Jesus and for one another. And that's something that, that we hear kind of regularly about our test, testimonies in here. Um, in fact, a couple of weeks ago when Ozon was here, uh, we had man camp a couple of weeks ago. So a lot of the men were gone. We had a, a guest preacher come. He's planting a church uh, kind of in Graham. And so he texts me after the service. And I won't read you the whole text, but here's just some excerpts. It was a long text, it was, it was kind of fun. He goes, I am thankful for the emphasis on God's word at Timberline it is highly revered i have never felt more welcome at a church as a guest many did not know me as a guest preacher yet and they treated me with hospitality i would expect from the spirit i felt like family instantly i mean here's a guy who he just he just came in and, and his experience was, was really like, if you're a guest here, it was like you. He came in, nobody really knew who he was until then he kind of stood up. And everyone was like, oh, that guy's preaching. And <laughs> um, which is, yeah, fun. Uh, and he was greatly blessed by you, by what the Spirit is doing in you. And, and, and I say this, not, not to puff anyone up, that's not the goal here, but that we would be greatly encouraged that God is faithful to his church and he loves his church. And not only has God been growing us spiritually, that we would dive more into the gospel, that we would love the truths of the gospel, but he is increasing our love for one another. And in that, he's been growing us numerically, uh, which is kind of you know, it's been difficult. We've been saying, you know, uh, come early because you might not get a seat at times. In fact, we said starting in July, our, our youth room is going to become our, our overflow room, and we're going to be asking that you just choose once a week, grab some, or once a month, grab some friends, and, and go sit in there um, just as a means of loving one another and just providing space in here. Uh, and because of that growth, we're, we're looking at, at having additional pastoral staff going, we need to meet the needs that are here. We want to shepherd rightly. And so today in Ephesians, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, and Paul wants us to know four truths about how the church is meant to function. And we need to know these four truths. We need to know them all the time, but especially as we're growing. Because our goal, our goal as a church is not simply to be big. Like that's, that's not really a goal at all. And, and our goal is not to be hip and flashy. Um, church is not a man-made institution. It is, it is a God-ordained institution in which God himself defines how we live and how we function. And that's what we want to be lived out here. And so um, I have three goals in this text. Uh, number one, that our understanding of the church will be clarified. I, I just pray that, that as we look at this text, our understanding, Our understanding of church, of the bride of Christ, of of what God is doing in this world, who he is saving, how we're supposed to function. Number two, that our commitment and zeal for the church would be intensified. Whatever level of commitment you have at the church today, that it would be intensified because of what his word says. And number three, that our love for Jesus and one another would be amplified. I just pray that we continue to grow and abound in our joy for our King and our love and our fellowship that we experience here each uh, time we gather and throughout the week. And so what I want to do is read Ephesians 4. 11 through 16, and so I'm going to ask you to stand as we do that. We stand at the reading of God's Word here, and we do so uh, to continually remind us that this Word is God's Word, coming with His full authority, inspired by the Spirit. This is not man-made, but this has been God-breathed. And so here we go, chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 16. Father, Father, I just ask that right now, through your word, your spirit would work in our church. Clarify our understanding of the church. Intensify our commitment to the church. And amplify our love for you and for one another. Lord, may this be a day that our hearts swell Because we're understanding what your grace is doing, what it has done, and what it's doing right now in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray that as we go forward as a church, that this text would shape us more and more every day. I pray that this text would just be imprinted on our heart and our mind so that every week that we gather and every time we gather with the saints... That, Lord, the truths of this text would be forefront in our minds, and they would shape on, what, on how we think and how we act with your church, with your body. In your name, Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Uh, so, I, I knew that this was going to be a short Sunday, uh, so we should be able to fit this whole sermon in this period of time, Uh, but if you're here, we we normally preach a little bit longer, um, but this is is quite the full Sunday. We still have a couple other things that we're even going to do today, Uh, so it's just, it's a full Sunday, and it's fun, Uh, but basically what I want to do is we're going to walk through four truths, and we're going to do so by walking through just four sections, four parts of this text, and... um, And so we have four P's that we're going to work with. And Dan loves when I have um, alliterations. And so, Dan, this is for you. Um, The first one is position. I just want you to see uh, what we said in the beginning, like in the introduction, I said that the church is not a man made institution. Rather, it's God ordained and God defined. And he did not leave it up to us to decide, to determine how the church should be led and guided. Isn't that good? Like, it's not up to you and to me. Like, he gives it in his word. In verse 11, it says, and he gave. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Notice those words, and he gave. These positions come from God, and this brings us to the first truth. Truth number one, God has given Bible-based positions to the church, or you might even substitute Bible-based to word-proclaiming positions to the church. Um, in Ephesians 2:20, uh, Paul will say that the apostles and prophets served as the foundation in which the church was built upon. It was built through the proclamation of god 's word, that the church was formed. Paul uses the word evangelist only here, and in 2 Timothy chapter four, verse five, and, and he refers it to not only speaking to believers, but to unbelievers within and outside the church. The word shepherd can also be translated pastor, and the word shepherds and, and teachers are linked by the definite article chi, which means it could be um, it could be pastors who teach, or it could just be saying there's two there's there's pastors who teach, and then there's there's um, pastors who are more leading. So there's multiple ways to look at that, but regardless, these these roles are all closely connected. And and there's really just two things this morning I want us to see about them. Number one, God has defined the way the church should be led. These, God has defined these. It is not up to us. And, And I want to make sure we understand that as we read about apostles and prophets who, who served as the foundational part of establishing God's church. Those um, then as we have evangelists and, and shepherds and teachers, which, all, which is often recognized as pastors, that um, these are, are not individuals who are greater than other individuals in the church. Just as a, a husband and wife have different roles within the home, both are made equal in the image of God. And so here, as we gather, we are all made equal in the image of God. But we'll have different roles, different ways that we function. And so that's one thing that we need to understand. So as God has given these positions, they're not to lord it over the rest of the people, but they're made in the image with every other believer. And we simply have different roles as we gather, as we function within the church. Number two, these positions are in some way all related to the teaching of God's word. That's that's really the importance of these. All of these positions, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, they're speaking, they're proclaiming, they're counseling with the Word of God. And why is that important? Uh, Because it takes us to our, our second section, purpose, which we read in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. So, the, so truth number two is the purpose of these positions is to equip every Christian to serve the church. So you might then say, well, well how, how is every Christian to be equipped by these positions? Well, it's primarily through the preaching, the teaching, the counseling, the speaking forth of God's word through the pastors and teachers. Is a primary way in which every member is meant to grow and meant to be equipped, and so again, uh, I think we're at we're at the Reese's house last night, and we joked around about having subpoints. And I said I only had three points today, I think, or four points, but I think each one does have like two or three subpoints. Um, I just want to ask three questions in this, so that we would see how it is that we're equipped. So the first question is just, who is equipped? Notice it says the saints are equipped. Saints is just simply another word of saying believer. If you're a Christian, if you've believed in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You're a believer. You're a Christian. You're a child of God. So you are the person um, that he is thinking of right now when he's saying you're going to be equipped through the preaching and teaching and counseling and the speaking forth of God's word. What are we equipped for? We're equipped for ministry. We, to equip the saints... For the work of ministry. This means every believer is saved in order to be equipped through the preaching, the teaching, the counseling, the speaking forth of God's word for ministry. There's no such thing as a Christian who sits on the bench. We watch sports. We watch sports all the time. We see there's, there's the ones who are really good, who are on the court or on the field. And then there are those who are, who are supportive players. They're good, but not quite first string we all know what that's like Uh, we've seen that Um, but in the church that doesn't exist like we joke around Christianity's our the church is not a country club like we know that and when I grew up I we were a part of actually a country club and we played lots of golf and I would go and when I went to the country club do you know what I did I played no I didn't caddy I played (laughs) in fact I've never had a caddy Raymond, you, you want a caddy for me sometime? I've <laughs> never had a caddy. But, but what I didn't do is I didn't work. I didn't go to the country club to work. I was a member there. I went and was served by the people who worked there. That's not what church is. When we come, it's so that every single one of us, whereas we're gathering, it's we're here today to serve. We're here today to, uh, to minister within the church. There is no one on the bench, even though you're all sitting. <laughs> but there's no one on the bench when it comes to church. And who do we serve? We say, it says, we serve the church, the body of Christ. Here, look, we, we all have one ministry. We all have one ministry in common at least, and that ministry is that we gather and we for the purpose of serving and meeting the needs of other believers in the church. Do you know that? Every single one of us, we share that ministry. Now, out here in the northwest, if you've been here for a while, you've heard many, many people say things like, you know, I don't need church. I'm a Christian and I just I just go out into the woods. And I go hiking, and it's out there that I will worship God, and I meet God. And I'll totally amen to the fact that, man, when we are in creation, we ought to praise God, right? Like it's made by God, designed by Him. So as Romans 1 says, that we would see His attributes, like His power, and His might, and His wisdom. So every time we take a hike... Every time we see sunsets and sunrises and we see mountains like Mount Rainier and these giant trees, it ought to move us to worship. We ought to. But according to God's word, there is no such thing as a Christian disconnected from the church. You will not find that text and you would have to ignore and to reject texts like we have here in Ephesians 4 to ever Come up with that. Because what Paul wants us to know is that there are positions that speak the word given to the church for the purpose of equipping every single Christian so that we would build up the body. We would serve the church. And notice, notice how he describes the church. What are the words at the end of verse 12 that he uses to describe the church? Go ahead. This will be our interaction time. We do this at least once or twice a Sunday. What does he say? Body of Christ. Now, he could just say church. He could just say church. But he says body of Christ. Every act of service done for the church is an act of worship done for our king. Do you know that? Every act of service that we do as we're building up one another is an act of worship to our King. You have to see that. We're we're building not just a body, not just people, it's Christ's body. It's the body of our King, Jesus Christ, whom He is the head over. And so as we gather, as we serve, we're worshiping Jesus. So know that. This takes us to What is the goal of building up the body of Christ? Like, What are we trying to accomplish? So we see God's given these positions to speak the word. And these positions um, are equipping the church so we'd serve one another. So we might say, so what's the end goal? What are we going towards? So Paul's going to give us two pictures. This is our third P, Dan. Picture number one is found in verse 13. It's one of maturity. Picture number two is found in verse 14. It's one of immaturity. So you see, he's doing this contrast here. And here's here's what he wants us to see. And it's this truth, that the goal of equipping, of building, of serving the body of Christ is so that every Christian is to become more like Jesus. That's truth number three. Every Christian will become more like Jesus. Look at verse 13. You see those words, until we all attain? It means until we arrive. So there is a, there's a function of the pastors and the teachers of God's Word and of all of us as we build up the body of Christ. Our goal is that we would then, and look at the last words of verse 13, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we are to become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Like in in Psalm 15, verse 1, I encourage you, go read Psalm 15 later. I love, I just love verse 1, and then how it answers it. But it reads this, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? So basically saying, who can live in the presence of God? Who can dwell with Him? And of course, the answer is, is, no one can dwell with Him. And that's why God sends forth His Son, Jesus. When he sends forth his son Jesus, and that's what we've been reading about in the book of Hebrews, that he would come as a man, that he would live 30 plus years here on this earth, that as a high priest, he would make a perfect sacrifice himself, so that he would pay the price for our sins. Because in God's word, we read that because we are sinful, we do not love God, we do not honor God, we do not submit to God's law. Romans 8 say we cannot please God. We have no ability in and of our sinful selves to do anything that would bring glory to God's name. Everything we do is an act of sin and rebellion to God. And so Jesus comes that he would offer himself and by grace save us, sanctify us, make us more like himself, adopt us into his family. And, and we read things like, like in Revelation 21, verse 3, that when Jesus returns and he makes the new heavens and new earth, that, God, that we will then dwell within the very presence of God. The purpose is, is so that then we will live with God on his holy hill. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we read that we will see Jesus as he is on that day because we will be made like him. That's the goal. Is that that's what God is doing in, in all of your lives, in my life, right now. He saves us by His grace, not so that we would stay wherever it is, but so that we would grow. And with each and every day, we become more like Christ. Or as 2 Corinthians 3 says, that by degree, by degree, by degree, we'd be made more into the very image of Christ our King. So I want to encourage you that, that right now, Through the preaching of this word, God is accomplishing that in your life and my life right now. Isn't that good news? And just think, right now, he's accomplishing that in your life. That you would be made more into the image of Jesus Christ. That you're being equipped, that you're being changed, that you're being matured right now through the preaching of God's word. It's not because of me, but it's because of what his spirit does with the word as it's preached. And also, today, as you serve the church, as you fellowship, as you encourage one another, as you pray with one another, as we come back tonight, as we pray and we serve, God is using those acts of service, God is using your words as a means of growing the church more and more in His image. Do you know that? Every single believer is an instrument of grace in God's hand for the purpose of maturing the body of Christ. That's you. That's me. That's, that's who he saved us to be. And, and so what's neat is like on this Sunday, we're just trying to say we've seen evidences of that in our church. By no means are we saying we're greater or puffing ourselves up. But what we're just trying to say is through the testimonies that came through those who joined the church Even as we've talked about, like in the beginning of this sermon, God has blessed us and we're growing. We're just simply seeing evidences that God is growing us more in his image. And we just want to do that more. We want to press more into God's word that we'd better understand who we are as a church and what our role is that we'd continue to be used by his grace to build each other up so that we'd be mature. And so I I just want to ask you, um, how are you serving the church right now? The text clearly says, the word has been given that it would be preached through these positions to equip. And as we're equipped, every single one of us is called to build the church. So how are you building the church? How are you encouraging? How are you coming alongside And if you're not, then I I just want to ask, why not? Like, what's in the way? What's preventing you from doing that? And then asking this question, how are you going to start? We'll talk more about some service in in a few moments, but I I want to encourage you right now, if you're just sitting there going, I I don't think I actually serve in the church. And, And I'm not talking like being an usher or something. I'm just talking serving, just building, just being active in the church. If you're saying, I, I don't think I actually have a role, then I, I just want you to pray right now just, just for courage and boldness that you'd begin serving and just however God leads. And we'll talk a little bit about ways that could look like. But just, just pray right now that you would be sensitive to the Spirit on however He calls you to lead and serve the church. Um, so how is it? Oh, and to bring it back, to finish the picture. And as we mature, it's so that we'll not be what we read in verse 14, immature. In verse 14, we, we read about immature children who are tossed back and forth by waves and by winds. And we see by false teaching and by cunning, by trickery, by the things of this world. As we grow in our knowledge of Christ, as we serve one another, as we build each other up, we're protecting one another. We're strengthening one another for the purpose that we will be mature and we won't be immature. We won't be caught up in the winds and the lies that we see so much in culture that are all around us. Um, so how is the church, so how is it that when we gather, we build the church up? So I just want to tell: what does this look like? And so last P is, is path. Well, what is the path? So we've all been called to build up the church. So what does that look like? What does that path look like? How do we actually build each other up? So I just want to direct you to Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16. And right there we read, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the last truth. Every Christian serves the church by speaking in truth and love. Every Christian serves the church by speaking truth and love. John 13, 35, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. At the end of that, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And one of the primary ways we demonstrate our love is by speaking in truth and love. Um. And I think it's good to have that truth and love. Like we're not coercing, we're not manipulating people, we're not doing kind things or saying kind things for the purpose of getting them to do something. But we do it because we actually love them. We realize we're brothers and sisters in the family of God. We've been adopted into this family for the purpose of growing and building each other up. And I want you to see something here. Notice how it begins. The passage begins with God gives positions that speak God's word. Do you see it? He gives positions to the church who primarily speak forth the truth of God's word. And then at the end of it, how is it that we all build each other up? We're all speaking the truth of God's word to one another. Do you see it? Like You can't miss it. We're, We're built and equipped through the speaking of God's word so that then in truth and love, we would all speak and build each other up. One of the primary ways that we are to serve the church is with our words. We're not saying empty words, words void of action, but words, words of truth, words of love. As we hear God's word, it transforms us that we would speak forth the very truth of God's word, which means when we see someone struggling, we would go to them and with words, encourage them. That with words, we would counsel those who are hurting or struggling or wrestling with certain decisions. I want to encourage you this means that by simply coming early and staying late and by speaking to people you can build the body of Christ on Sundays did you know that by just coming early staying late remember you're not coming here to be on a bench and observe you're coming here for what to be in the ministry So every time we gather, it's, okay, how am I going to use my words today for the purpose of building up the body of Christ? That's why we gather. Part of it is also, yes, to be equipped through the preaching of God's word, that we'd be reminded together like this of the role we have, so that then tonight when you come, here's homework, it's very practical, tonight when you come, how am I coming with the purpose of serving those at my table? of being an encouragement to those. After service, how am I going to love those who are here? Now, that doesn't mean you speak to everyone. Maybe you speak to one person, and that's it. Maybe you speak to 20 people. Great. But how do we begin to do the very things that God is calling us to do? Getting together with people over coffee. I mean, tea's okay, but coffee's better. It's true. We're in the Northwest, people. Josh, we're in the Northwest. We do coffee, no tea. Coffee. We lay down the law, right? Like, that's what I'm going to get notes about later. Um, If Bill was here, he'd be like, coffee bar. Um, No, no coffee, no, none. Linda? Linda? It was both. It was both. Uh, interaction time is done. All right. But, but even when we do table groups, like we, so we do a thing called table groups because we, we, we don't like using the word small groups, apparently. Uh, so we use table groups just because every time we gather, there's usually a table. Meaningful conversations happen around tables. So that's why we call them that. But we do table groups so that we get people Like like here, there's too many of us for all to know each other, to serve each other. There's too many people for you to speak into necessarily. But table groups is where four couples-ish, something like that, commit to one another for the purpose of building each other up. How? In truth and love, with our words, with our actions. Why? So that we become more like Jesus. So table groups is a very tangible way of how we live out our faith. Serving downstairs in junior church, amazing way of speaking the truth of God's word in love to the little ones that we have, that they would begin to know and grow in the knowledge of Christ. Now, I say all this, I see this in so many of you already. So I'm not saying these things as, man, none of you do this. I'm seeing this, so many of you are doing this, and it is a massive Massive blessing. I'm hearing stories from table groups of how people are serving and building each other up. I see how some of you have begun to come early and stay late, and you're intentional on getting to know different people, getting to know certain people, getting to know those who have, who have had hurts, and meeting those needs. Many of you, have, you, are, you are good at taking meals to those who are sick and praying with them and encouraging them, writing notes of encouragement to them. So you are doing this. Ozon, who came two weeks ago, testifies that you are doing this. But here's the thing. We must continue to press on. And so that's where I want to encourage you. Let us not think that we've reached the end. How do we do so all the more? Because as you serve, you're helping us all become more like Christ. And that is the role that each of us, remember, are instruments in God's hands. Instruments of grace that he uses to build others up that together we become more like Jesus. And that happens in the local church. He uses believers to grow believers all by his grace that we would become more like his son. So I want you, uh, or I hope that you're excited of what God is doing here at Timberline. And I ask that you keep praying. Keep praying and rustling through with how, how are you serving? How can you continue to build the church up in love? And I ask that you be excited that we need more pastoral staff. Because if we have more people within the church who need more equipping, then we're naturally going to need more staff to help out with that. And again, I want you to think about your commitment to the church. How are we actively being used by God to build up the church? Maybe you've been on the bench. Maybe you, you realize, man, I have, for whatever reason, just been sitting on the bench. But you've been saved, called by Christ, adopted into his family, so you'd be used as his instrument to build others up. In fact, the Spirit gifts you, specially, uniquely, in ways that can build up the church. Remember, every act of service done for the church is an act of worship done for our king. And let me me close with this verse. Romans 12 says this in verse 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Okay, so that's what we're called to do. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I want you to think about that. As we see others we see how they're they're loving the body, that ought to encourage us, I want to love the church like that. How can I also be used to spur others on? So let us outdo one another in love. Let us come early. Let us stay late. Let's be part of table groups. Let us get to know one another. Set up times throughout the week that we have coffee, that we meet, that we build and encourage one another. Call people in our church directory for the purpose of just, how can I pray for you? Their ways are countless. Um, every time you gather with the people of God, I just want you to be thinking, God is using you right now, so how can I love this person? How can I show them the love of Jesus? How can I build them up in the faith that together we would become more like Jesus? You've been called and equipped to build up the body of Christ in love and truth. Um, so I pray you're just encouraged with that today. I pray that that's reminded you given you clarity of the understanding of the church, intensified your commitment to the church, and I hope also just amplified your love for a king and for the Christians who are around you. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray, and the men are going to come forward, and you're all going to be coming forward to take communion this morning. And I just want you to pray. And if you have anything to confess during this time, Um, I I encourage you, take this time to repent. If you've been on the bench and you've not been serving and doing that which God calls you to, take this time and just repent. And if you feel like you need to, to speak with someone prior to partaking of communion, then, then that's okay if you need to pass today and not partake today and do that first so that next week as we gather. You can do that with us, but if you're able to do so, we wholeheartedly invite you to partake of communion today as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us. So I'm going to pray, and then the men will begin dismissing you.